0: Father God, thank you um, that you've given us your word and that you have um, recorded these truths for our benefit and for our learning, that every time we open it up we might meet Christ. Please, Lord, um, would you illuminate these words in our hearts tonight, speak to us by your Holy Spirit, that we might perceive Jesus more clearly. We ask in his name. Amen. 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 So it makes sense for us to uh, cover the resurrection since we covered the cross um, last time. You'll find, as always, a little handout on your table and a pile of Bibles and a pen. Before we think about the resurrection, which I trust all of us kind of believe that it happened, you know, so I'm not going to spend some time convincing us tonight that it happened. It's not going to be that um, talk. Um, before we get to thinking about what it actually means, uh, first of all, I need to tee up a problem us, and I'm sure it's a problem of which we're all aware, um, because we will have all experienced it, and that is the problem of death. You'll see on your sheet there, there are a couple of uh, Bible references in Genesis, that is that God created the world, and when he made everything, everything was good, in fact it was very good, and humans lived in perfect relationship with God and with one another in the garden, but then of course in Genesis 3 we have Uh, the fall and sin and death enters the world. And death is something which, as I said, touches everyone. Uh, If I may use the old cliché, it's the ultimate statistic. Isn't it? One in one people will die. We will all die. But we also know people who have died. We've all been touched by death. I'm sure we'll all have relatives or friends, loved ones who have passed on. In fact, earlier this year, Emma's granny died, and we had to go back to Northern Ireland um, for the funeral. And when that happens, it, it's painful and it feels unnatural, like it shouldn't belong in God's good creation. And we see that in Genesis 3 as a punishment for sin something that we didn't have, this, this spiritual death, this death, before sin entered the world. And since that, since that time, since Adam fell, death has reigned. As we go on in the Genesis accounts, you have this person lived for X amount of years, and then they died, and then they died, and then they died. It goes on and on and on. And in our own experience, that is the case as well. But God also provides the answer to the problem of death. That's a fairly macabre way to start our time together. Thinking about death, you might have come here in quite a good mood, or a bad one, depending on what you think about Donald Trump. And um, we've, we've started off on this massive diner thinking about death. But actually, I want you to leave tonight full of hope. Because the the answer that God provides is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see um, it foreshadowed in the Old Testament. There's a couple of references on your sheet um, if you'd like to check those out later. Um, And also in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see Jesus talking about how it was promised that this is going to happen. And then it happening. And then the implications of that. When you grab your Bibles now... And uh, open up to 1 Corinthians 15, which is a really foundational chapter on uh, the resurrection. In fact, Andy did a little sermon series on this uh, not long ago, available on the website if you'd like to check it out. But let's open up to page 1,155. That's 1 Corinthians 15. And I will begin reading at verse 3. abnormally born and Paul goes on to say in that chapter that if the resurrection hasn't happened then his preaching is in vain the message that he has proclaimed to the Corinthians and more than that our faith is in vain it is absolutely futile if Jesus didn't rise from the dead well what a joy and a hope and a privilege that it is that Jesus did rise from the dead and our main focus tonight as I said earlier is what does the resurrection mean so when you open up into your um, your handouts and we'll start considering these four meanings of the resurrection because it is so foundational to our faith that if it didn't happen then our faith is in vain first is vindication that is that Jesus when he was resurrected was shown to be right he was proven right, if you like, um, by the resurrection. Now, you might say that, for example, when Andy and I disagree in the office on something like uh, who, which actor appeared in a film, and Andy clearly knows more about films than I do, uh, then we go on to IMDb and check it out, and it turns out that Andy was actually right. He has been vindicated. That's not my phone, is it? That's Andy's phone coming over oh, the speakers. Sure. <coughs> <laughs> I wonder why it was so loud. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's Yeah. No, I've lost my vindication. No, I've been vindicated. I've been shown to be right, because that was Andy's phone. Um, yeah, Christ is shown to be right, in spite of the unjust judgment which has been pronounced on him. You see, when, when Christ was punished for sin, when he died, that, that unjust punishment of death, which was a punishment for sin, was given to Christ. So he died an unjust death, if you like which he didn't deserve. But then when he was raised, that was God showing, actually, he was right. And the people who put him to death, you were wrong. Christ um, was righteous, and he was shown to be righteous by his resurrection. You'll see there's a verse there from 1 Timothy 3, we'll not uh, turn to that, which says that um, Christ was raised. Um, actually, let's, let's turn to that. Let's go to, to 1 Timothy 3, because it's quite good. Uh, verse, it's on page 1192. And it's 1 Timothy three sixteen, And it says this, Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. Now, he was vindicated in the spirit in the sense that the spirit raised him from the dead I'll read a verse from uh, Romans as well you don't need to turn on there if you don't want to Um, but this is from Romans 1 verse 4 it says who through the spirit of holiness that's Jesus who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead the spirit raises Christ from the dead to vindicate him to prove him right there's a little um, quotation there ...from a chap called Gerhardus Voss... ...who's been really helpful for me... ...on my thinking on um, the resurrection... ...and I'll read it out... ...it says this... ...Christ's resurrection was the de facto declaration of God... ...in regard to his being just... ...his quickening... as his resurrection... is being brought to life... ...bears in itself the testimony of his justification... ...God... ...through suspending the forces of death... ...operating on him... ...declared that the ultimate... ...the supreme consequence of sin had reached its termination. In other words, resurrection had annulled the sentence of condemnation. That is, the, the curse of death is being lifted in Jesus as he is resurrected. Now that has, has implications for us as well. Because of the resurrection, we're, we too will be shown to be righteous. Not because we've lived righteous lives, but because we are identified with Jesus in his resurrection. And so when we Um, Die and rise well that will shown to be right now the second um, implication of the resurrection that we'll think about tonight is victory resurrection means victory of Christ over death and Satan Christ defeats them as he rises from the dead he defeats those enemies of God turn again um, to 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, we'll see how this is the case We're going to go spend a lot more time in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 tonight. Look at, on page 1157, look at page 54, not page 54, verse 54. This is Christ's victory over death. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory where o oh death is your sting you see in rising from the dead christ has removed that victory from death and won it for himself he's removed the sting of death as well yes we will still face it but we do so with a rock solid certainty that eternity with christ waits on the other side And we see Christ has the victory over Satan as well, um, God's enemy. That's in that reference in Hebrews says that um, he defeated death and him who holds the power of death, Satan. He's he's disarmed all of those enemies of God um, by his resurrection. And there's a little uh, quote there which I find quite helpful from um, N.T. Wright, which says this: um, Resurrection is not just a redescription of death whereby death is allowed to take the human bodies but the creator is allowed to keep the souls resurrection is the defeat of death so death doesn't get anything it doesn't get our bodies it doesn't get our souls but christ has has defeated it he's removed its sting and the implication of that for us friends is that we can face death with absolute confidence if we have friends or relatives who have died in Christ, we know that we will see them again. Well, why do these these enemies persist then? Well, it's because they've been disarmed by the resurrection, but they will be defeated, they will be destroyed when Christ returns. They've been disarmed and defeated, but they will be destroyed. So Christ's victory over death and Satan, it's now, in the sense that he's removed the sting of death, He's disarmed Satan. But his ultimate victory will come when he comes back and destroys them. The third meaning that we'll think about tonight is validation. God validates Jesus when he rises from the dead. What does that mean? Well, it means that he essentially rubber stamps Jesus as his son. He says, Jesus rises from the dead. That's God saying, yeah, this guy was the one. He was my son. What he's done has worked. All his life and deeds, I approve of those. Well, that's why no one has ever been resurrected in the same way that Jesus has. Because God is validating Jesus. Turn um, back to uh, Romans 1. And we'll see that again. It's on page 1,129 in your Bibles. Romans 1. And we'll begin at verse 1. says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son who, as his human nature, was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we'll stop there. He was At his resurrection, he was declared, This is the Son of God. He is my Son. What he has done is approved of. And because of Christ's resurrection, well, we will be validated at ours as well. God gives approval to our lives as righteous because, again, we are identified with Christ and his righteousness. Well, the final one we've got tonight is verdict. And by verdict, I actually mean judgment, but I wanted another V. Um, to fit in there so verdict seems uh, seemed appropriate for me. Um, why don't you flip back a couple of pages to Acts chapter seventeen, beginning at verse 31. It's on page one thousand one hundred and fourteen. It says this for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He's given proof of this to all men by raising him, that is the judge, from the dead. So Christ's resurrection, while while good news, is also a guarantee of coming judgment, of the coming verdict of God, if you like, the judgment of God. Well now the question that might jump into your mind at that point is, well how can God punish sin, how can God judge sin at the resurrection? Well, when Christ returns, if sin has been punished in Christ, that's, that's a, a bit of a tester, isn't it? Well, it's because God's judgment is both now and not yet. Now, in the sense that it has been poured out, has been executed on Christ, and not yet in the sense that it will be finally consummated when Christ returns and sin is finally punished and God's enemies are finally destroyed. That's what that little quote from G.K. Beale is about. um, The eschatological judgment, that is the end time judgment when Christ returns, has begun in Jesus but will be consummated in the judgment of unbelievers at the end of the age. Well, finally, turn back um, to John chapter 5, until we see the implication of this for... um, humanity and it's on page 1069 and we'll begin at verse 28 John chapter 5 beginning at verse 28 it says do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out the resurrection of humanity those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned you see Christ's resurrection guarantees the judgment to come when all people will rise to face God's judgment some will be judged good those who are in Christ who have the righteousness of Christ who've been um, validated by God by being identified with Jesus but those who are outside of Christ will rise to face God's judgment will rise to face God's condemnation. Well, that is a fairly uh, whistle-stop tour of those four um, implications or meanings of the resurrection. But the question then is, what difference does this make to our lives? Does it bear any relevance at all? Well, like I said at the beginning, the resurrection changes everything. If it's true, then Christianity is true. If it's untrue, then our faith is in vain. But praise be to God, because we believe that it is true. And the Bible says that it is true, and Christ did rise from the dead. And here are four um four real life um, applications of the resurrection, if you like. The first is that we have peace with God. We have peace with God now and in eternity. All those who are in Christ have been justified and will be justified. Topically, Donald Trump has been elected. Sorry to mention him again, but he wants to put up a wall between the states and and Mexico, doesn't he? Isn't that one of his things? Well, for us, there is no dividing wall between us and God anymore. We have peace with God, and you can be secure in that—that there is no condemnation now for all who are in Christ. But you can have a living and peaceful relationship with god now the second um, application is joy we can have this inexpressible joy in the resurrection you see that in uh, 1 peter 8 he calls it an inexpressible and glorious joy because we have been brought from death to life because of christ's resurrection we have been risen we rose with him spiritually when he rose um, from the dead so this peace that we've got from God leads to a joy at knowing God and knowing that we are justified. Well, how should where should that lead us to? It shouldn't lead us just to think, brilliant, you know, God has God's dealt with me well, that's fine, I can just go on and, and live my life. It should lead us to worship God. In John twenty twenty eight, Thomas experiences the risen Christ. He puts his hand in his wounds in his side. And he exclaims, my Lord and my God, when he sees that. The resurrection, it transforms our hearts and our minds. And it drives us to worship God. See, this, all of this might, seem, might have seemed slightly academic, you know, slightly big words for me, vindication, victory, invalidation, and all these things. But actually, it is a reality. This affects our day-to-day lives. It, it should be an impetus to us to worship God, that Christ is risen. That's why we sing, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. I'll not sing now because you'll not like my voice. The last thing is, it gives us, the resurrection gives us hope. A sure hope. Now and hope in the future. Now, in the sense that when we experience that problem of death that I touched on earlier, when our relatives die, when our friends die, when our loved ones die, when our brothers and sisters die, well, we've got the hope. That they will not be lost. But it's like they're sleeping. And they will rise to life with God. We've got this living hope through the resurrection. Let me pray and um, then we'll have some time for questions. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you so much that Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Thank you God. We praise you um, for what you have done in Christ. We praise you that you vindicated him from his unjust punishment. We praise you that he has the victory over uh, death and the devil. We praise you that he is your son and that you proved that by uh, ra- raising him from the dead. We praise you, Lord, that you will punish sin, but that we will not be punished because we are identified with Jesus. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen take a couple of minutes on your uh, tables to discuss what was Ross really talking about and then you can uh, you can plan with your questions and I'll try my best to answer them all right is that is that enough time for you guys to think of the most difficult and devious questions you can ask me about the resurrection why don't we have a few questions then bit More time to think about this. Who wants to go first? No one? All right, I'll go and sit down. All oh, right, they've got a question. No, 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 it was more of a general okay. okay, go on, go on, Mary, ladies first. Excellent. I'm glad you've asked this question for the recording. The question is: What is the difference between vindication and validation? Um, yes and no. Vindication is that the crisis is proved to be right. He's been vindicated, if you like, from from the judgment that's been given to him. Right. Validation is that he's been proved to be the son of God. So he's been val- his ministry, his life, and work has been it's been rubber stamped by God. Now the confusion is that I used the same passage in Romans to talk about both, didn't I? Yeah, in Romans 1. Well, really the point I was making um, from Romans 1 when I talked about vindication was that it was um, the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. I want to show you that. through Who through the Spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay? Um, another helpful verse for vindication is Romans 4.25. Um, which is he was delivered over to, our, to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification which shares the same root word as vindication um, so he was, he's raised for his justification his vindif- in his vindication and for ours as well right? then validation not, is, is not the sort of saying yeah Christ was right, he was righteous and uh, this was an unjust punishment executed on him it's saying yeah he is who he said he was everything he did has been approved of by god is that is that a bit clearer is that helpful so, so the vindication is kind of saying that when jesus died and part of the reason he is raised is because he was sinless in the first place yes that. yes okay. that's right Thank you. christine So when I say destroyed, I don't want to give any false impression. Sorry, the, the question is, um, if Satan's destroyed, is that a separate punishment that is given to humans as he's bound and thrown into the lake of fire? And when I say he's destroyed, I don't want us to stray into annihilationism. I don't want to say that, um, that hell and the punishment that comes after death for God's enemies, Satan and those who oppose him, um, is not eternal because it, the Bible's clear that it is eternal and uh, and conscious and ongoing um but when i say destroyed i guess i mean finally defeated you know is is that yeah, yeah. more helpful anyone else got any questions for me no? lovely well hopefully you'll leave here tonight with your hearts lifted up thinking about the resurrection of christ and uh Why don't you take a couple of minutes now to go into your groups? Thanks.